Hello, everyone. This is Richard Robertson from the Dean's Office. I'm pleased to welcome Tim Dixon back to the podcast after uh, talking uh, almost a year ago yeah. uh, in November before, uh, before your concert at that time and at a time when we had no idea what was what, coming. What this would look like, yes. And uh, in fact, uh, it was an orchestra concert that was the last thing I attended in Palmer Hall last year when Renee played the Mozart C minor piano last concerto. Last thing I attended in Palmer Hall, yeah. too. And, <laughs> right uh, before the shutdown, though. Weekend I before. think even that weekend, I, I didn't really believe this was going to happen. Uh, it yeah. was, you know, I think, I think there were whispers of it. I think maybe it was uh, the beginning of the next week when I really... Uh, first hurt was in some meetings where people were saying we may have to shut down it yeah. was but it was even at the beginning of that week it was we may have to shut down by Thursday we were shut down it was amazing how quickly it oh, all yeah. happened and how quickly it happened for well, you know everybody my, my wife and I were talking about this the other day and it's um, we're, we're trying to put ourselves back in what our mental frame was then mm -hmm. about how long this would be and I and I really do remember that week before the shutdown or those days before the shutdown, you know, we had just had our last performance. And, um, you know, at that point we thought, well, we, we might be out a few weeks, but we're, we're sure we'll be back for these remaining concerts. So we, we rushed uh, Vera Solomon, who was our orchestra librarian, worked with me. And we rushed to get all of the parts copied to make sure students had music that they could practice over an extended break. So, so we did that and, um, as just assumed that we would be back for opera pops and for uh, Azagono, and um, of course that didn't happen. But I don't think any of us knew that it would, oh, yeah. would turn out the way it, it did, and it it was amazing though how quickly. Uh, I I mean I think certainly by the next Monday we knew we were closed for the whole semester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just in a few days, and and yet fast. none of us knew that uh, during that last week of classes mm -hmm. that we were here. So it was it was a surprising turn of events and uh, and very quick, and so um, so you went from uh, from that time from March until this fall, and yes. with no opportunities to conduct. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. You know, I, I was um, uh, talking. I think it was, I think it was about that time when I was coming back on the podium uh, in September or, or August rather where I realized that was the longest stretch since I was about 20 years old that I'd not conducted something. I'd been in front of somebody waving my hands, making music. And um, that's, you know, that's one of the challenges of being a conductor versus you know, the, other, the other part of my life, another part of my life as a musician is as a clarinetist, you know, as a clarinet major in college. And um, if I wanna make music on the clarinet, I can make music on the clarinet. Now it's different from playing with other people, but I can still be actively making music uh, you know anytime that i'm not on a podium i'm not conducting you know i can if i i can look at a score i can think about the music i can practice my hands i can you know my gesture i can uh, be working on ear training i can all of those kinds of things and those are all great and they all feed into it but uh, ultimately if you're not on a podium with other musicians dynamically going back and forth in this process, you're not conducting. And so, yeah, that's that's a challenge for you know, myself and uh, you know everybody else who conducts around the country has, has had over this time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I'm just uh, so thankful that, and I was telling the group that the other night, I'm just so thankful that we get to do this, you know, that 
because I know my colleagues in so many places don't right now. And we're just taking such good care to be safe here, and the students are taking it so seriously as well um, that, uh, in, in a sense, you know, I, I told somebody this. I've probably told several somebody's this now that if if we can't do it safely, if Messiah can't do it safely with you know the the, the students that we have and the, the commitment that the institution has, nobody can do it safely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if that's what I, I tell friends. If, that, that look, if Messiah shuts down, everything's shutting down because we are really, we're doing it well here. Yes, yeah. You know, I, I, just, I just continue to be impressed by that. Yeah, I think we all feel that. And of course, um, I know just even as we were dealing with the question of families coming into concerts, as right. you know, yeah, yeah. We, we, had, we had guidelines, it got reversed. We came back and changed the guidelines mm -hmm. a little bit. We ended up pretty much where we thought we, where we began, right, right. but a little bit just a little bit stricter yeah right. and uh, probably for everyone's safety that way absolutely Health, just a healthier way to let let families participate in their students senior recitals but not uh, not in a way that risks uh, exactly losing the whole face-to-face right? -face presence here on campus yeah. so what is your sense I mean obviously the professional uh, conductors are pretty much shut down. I mean, I don't think right. it, there are any orchestras that are playing, you know, uh, for, for paying audiences. Right, uh, exactly. In a, in a live way online, right now. You know, yeah. But among the universities around the country, uh, that's are we are we in a smaller group, you think, because we're still performing, or maybe uh, about half are doing that? Yeah, I, I would say certainly in a much smaller group, considering how close to normal we are mm. in terms of... Um, you know, we're, we're limiting size based on social distancing, of course. And, uh, but I guess part of this is the advantage of the size of the stage of Palmer Hall. Yeah. We can fit a lot of musicians there um, and, and, be, and be six feet apart. So, well, I can say since, since uh, you know, uh, Bill and I were involved, Bill Stoneman yes. and I were involved in, um, in planning the building that what we consistently said was we want to stage the conceit an orchestra of a hundred yeah and so they gave us that and yes, of course indeed not just an orchestra uh, that doesn't mean you know a hundred string players of course right, you're right. talking about right. percussion and all of that so it's quite a large space for that reason and i i love the way they did it where you can um you can have that huge stage but you can also make it a very intimate stage oh, absolutely you know uh it's it's just uh, just astonishing nice. the way it, it worked out that way uh, and so that's been a real advantage for us this oh, year for sure and of course I, being able to move rehearsals into that space right uh on a consistent basis where it's a much larger room mm -hmm. makes it much healthier yes uh, place sure. to rehearse as well yeah yeah that is a space i never get tired of <laughs> well, it's visually beautiful, it too. Is, it course. is a beautiful, yeah. visually beautiful space. It's also just the acoustics the, and the adaptability of the acoustics. Mm -hmm. That's just, yeah, that, that was done exceptionally well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you think we're in a minority then among yes. schools that yeah. are being able to do it at this, at this level? Yeah, certainly at this level. And even probably a minority in, in doing and just performing at all, I think. Uh, it seems, you know, it's just, it, there's been discussions going on the College Orchestra Directors Association list uh, that, that I'm an organization I'm a member of. And um, yeah, and, and, and I'll say it's both, both we're in a minority in terms of uh, how much work music making we're able to do, but also, and, I, and these are not unrelated, uh, we're in a minority in how few K-12 
cases we've had here, relatively speaking. You know, I was uh, one one colleague uh, who teaches at a much larger institution. You know, uh, about twenty thousand students was mentioning that at his school there they've had over two thousand student infections, two thousand uh, positive cases so far. Wow. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's I'm I. I understand why they're they're not doing a whole lot of music making right now. <laughs> well, yesterday we were at twenty nine, and uh, yeah. that's that's since August twenty fifth. So right. six of those are completely recovered now. That uh, right. According right. again, according to our dashboard. Um, uh, so I think I think even percentage wise. Oh, uh, for sure. You know, yeah. we would percentage wise, we'd have to be around two forty, right? Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah that. Many, many folks are, have gone completely virtual um, or have uh, gotten to very small, just keep a very small chamber, group, still orchestras, uh, but, you know, 12, 16 students, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, we're, we're doing, a, at least in this first concert, we're doing at least one, what you could call full orchestra piece, you know, the pretty standard uh, wind size, wind sections. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it has its own challenges, but. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the first concert. So there's, sure. the first thing is, of course, we have three concerts on, on Saturday. <laughs> and uh, that's because it's normally homecoming. Mm -hmm. And so we, 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 and we decided to do this, this, keep the same schedule, even though there is no homecoming. So right. that's the first thing. The second thing is that this is normally a family concert and yes. you decided uh, not to do a family concert and you decided not to have live audiences. You want to talk about that a little sure, bit? Sure, absolutely. Yes, typically this is a family concert. We usually program it with that in mind. And uh, uh, so we'll have a lot of families, particularly families of, of alums, uh, you know, and their kids and grandkids who will come to this concert. A lot of repeat audience members year to year over the last several years. And we uh, typically would end that concert with an instrument petting zoo. So, you know, students or the kids in the audience would get a chance to play the instruments and, and uh, just experience what it's like to make sound on these instruments. Well, all of those pieces, of course, <laughs> we, just, we just can't do now. We can't have uh, audiences from off campus. Um, and uh, of course, it, it's hard to come up with a less COVID friendly activity than an instrument petting, petting zoo, zoo. Yeah. uh so uh we'll you know we certainly plan to return to do that hopefully next fall hopefully we can things will be in a state that we can do that again uh, as soon as possible but uh we decided not to have an audience because that you know could opt either way but um uh just just so you just so people know that that this is a different kind of concert than we typically would have mm -hmm. this time mm -hmm. yeah it's an unusual time for a concert right 11 a.m on a saturday but for a family concert it's perfect so but well, for homecoming it works really well for homecoming, of course, it's because it's just a, one of the activities in the day and yeah so yeah so for we, those who haven't ever been there there's usually kids just being kids and it's and it's, it's wonderful great. it's just wonderful it's yeah. great because that you know that can be intimidating uh i'd say as a parent who, you know, my kids are now in middle school and high school, but it was not that long ago that they were not ones who would be able to sit in an orchestra concert. Uh, and so that can be intimidating, even though you really want to get kids in there and get them exposed young, you know? And we, yes. we talked about, you know, a couple of the students that I talked about, did we want to try to make this a family concert? And we decided at least at this point not to do that. There's so many good online introductions to the instruments that 
we, we just weren't sure that we would be add a lot, adding a lot to that conversation. So we just decided to make this a regular concert, a little different programming though than we uh, often would have. Well, the other, the other thing that's different uh, besides the programming is just yeah. the physical. We talked a little bit about the size oh, of the sure. stage yeah, and yeah. social distancing, but how has that affected the oh. rehearsals and playing together an ensemble and all of that? Yeah, it's, it's been an, uh, a real push on everybody's musicianship, uh, which is actually, for, speaking as a pedagogue right now, mm -hmm. that's great. Good Everybody, thing, everybody's yeah. had to really rise up to, to meet this. And, and the, the real challenge um, is just the physical distance between people. You know, string players are used to things like having a stand partner. So there's a whole protocol of who turns the page. You know, of course we can't do that. Um, was, they're used to being able to see other players in their sections, to be able to see principal players or for principal players to be able to see each other so they can match things like where in the bow they're bowing, um, how much bow speed they're using, and all of these things, whether the bow's going up or down. I mean, we have we write that in the parts too, but um, all of those are, are things that really impact the sound. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the great challenges of a string section is getting you know, 40, 50, however many people it is to all play together as one unit. And that mostly happens through vision. They, they're able to see everything about how their colleagues are bowing. And that's much harder when you're six feet apart from the next closest player. And so that's been a, that's been a real challenge. The students have just been great, of course, no, no shock, but they've really risen to it and have really worked hard to kind of tune into each other in different kind of ways. And it's making everybody stronger musicians. Uh, but because of that, um, well, at least that, that's one of the major reasons that uh, um, our first concert, we're really focusing on music that's very string heavy. Some of it, two of the pieces are strings alone. Uh, and one of the pieces has a very small string section or a very small wind section, I should say. Um, and these are also pieces that I, I think that uh, our string music ed majors should know. So, uh, so I've sort of selected them around that, that kind of idea. I guess I can tell you what they yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> right. So what are, what are you uh, playing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, so the we're uh, actually going to start the concert with the biggest instrumentation piece that we have on the program, and that's uh, one movement, the second movement of the second symphony by Tchaikovsky, and uh, that's that's one you know that's that's uh, we've we've played before. Not not this group has played, but you know I've programmed here before. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, oh, that's great! Such a it's a wonderful piece. Yeah, it's a, ter yeah, it's a terrific it's just, work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we um, we focused so much of the semester on the other repertoire that it really was just a couple weeks ago that I, I felt like we really needed to try something with closer to the full or the full instrumentation that we have. So so we read a couple of movements from the, the Tchaikovsky Symphony, and, and it went well enough that we decided to put at least one of the movements on this program. Um, but then we're going to go from that to... Um, the Holst St. Paul Suite, St. Paul Suite for Strings. Uh, Gustav Holst, uh, best known for the planets, uh, uh, compo English composer who uh, worked at the St. Paul's School for Girls. And they built him this beautiful music wing and they built him this beautiful composing room that was sound isolated. And this was actually the first piece that he wrote in that room. And so he called it the St. Paul Suite and he wrote it for the student orchestra at uh, St. Paul's School. And uh, then we're going to be doing the uh, Corelli Christmas Concerto. 
And that's uh, featuring a couple of student soloists, Emily Remp on violin and Eve Miller on violin and Bailey Anderson on cello. And um, it's called a Christmas concerto, but there's nothing actually particularly Christmassy about it. It's, well, except it's, people associate, thanks to Handel, people associate Baroque music with exactly. Christmas. Exactly, and, and, and I was thinking about that too. I said, well, no, except it's Baroque. Well, why is Baroque Christmas? Oh, yes, because Handel's of the Messiah. Messiah. Yeah. Which isn't actually a Christmas Which piece, is not a Christmas but that's piece when it's always all, right. performed. Yeah, that's of course. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, you know, he wrote the inscription for Christmas Eve. And, and I guess, you know, it ends with a pastoral movement that's, Sort of uh, indicative of shepherds, and, and so that, that is the that's thing the that closest, is Christmas. Yeah, yeah exactly. that is the thing that is Christmas. And right. That was a whole style at that time, of course. Right. That, that yeah. kind of compound meter. Oh, right. And of, uh, of course, and we've got the big open fifths in the bass that that mm -hmm. uh, you know sounds bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So shepherds' pipes. Shepherds' pipes, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so those are the two big works in the middle, and then we'll finish the concert with the uh, Romanian folk dances by Bela Bartok. Yeah, those are great pieces. And, yeah. yeah. And so many different versions. Uh, yes, exactly. I think it was originally for piano, and then um, there's a very popular uh, violin and piano version. Um, now, I, interestingly, I, I said we were uh, programming a lot of string orchestra music because I want our string music ed majors to to know a certain repertoire when that when they graduate. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the string orchestra version is of the Bartok is very commonly done. Great piece you know wonderful piece for strings we're actually doing the full orchestra version <laughs> which which is the version that Bartok wrote for orchestra it's a very small wind section and there's uh, except for a few moments there's not a big difference between the two even in terms of how it generally sounds a few little solos in the woodwinds but but basically the winds are otherwise just doubling the string parts uh, but so, it gives the winds the chance to play. It, yeah absolutely and and that's you know and that was a part of it you know I, I wanted to do something something with winds but thought we should ease into it you know just seeing what the semester would be like and uh if if we felt like we'd be able to do everything safely and just just the logistics of filling an entire stage you know it's one thing to fill parmer hall with or, or the the stage with um, uh, a full orchestra but it's another one that orchestra is separated by six feet mm -hmm. and so just the mechanics of playing together get very tricky yeah. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I've, I've accompanied in so many different settings. And um, I've been, you know, 20, 30 feet away from right. the soloists at times, especially in churches. The piano's stuck who knows where. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, you just, you just, you, you know you're together when you can't hear the soloist, you know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. If you can hear them, you're not, they're lagging well, behind or running well, ahead or something. Last, last fall... Uh, I was the guest conductor for um, the South Dakota All-State Orchestra, and they uh, they have massive ensembles. Both so the orchestra and the choir would both perform together on the same weekend. So mm -hmm. I was there to, to conduct the orchestra. But the way they would set it up is the the orchestra conductor would program one piece for choir and orchestra, and that they, they would conduct that piece. And then the person who was conducting the All-State Choir would do the same. Then so they would we would each work with everybody, mm -hmm. and there were about I think it was 180 students in the orchestra and 900 some odd students in the choir so we were we were in they were literally in bleachers in the like an indoor hockey rink for the for the area for the region and um, and I had to have a, a microphone actually like the the headset that we're using is identical to the headset that we're using for teaching 
over Zoom. Yes. And um, and the students and there's this huge echo going on, and um, yeah, slower was, tempos, right? Was, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> actually, uh, yeah, they they were. I had to pick a little slower tempos, and then I had to not listen to them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just start conducting and just stay with me. Stay with me. This isn't quite that, you know, we're not that far far apart spread, but uh, but there is a little bit more of that. You know, those are um, I I always emphasize as a conductor, I spend so much time emphasizing, you know, listen to each other. Listen, listen, listen. Not I I don't want to say don't watch me, but don't watch me. You know, listen to each other. Yes. Um, And that's still I still want to emphasize that. But we have to do a lot more of watch, you know, watch me watch each other's body language in a different kind of way. Well, when you're um, spread out, that becomes my, my only experience of that is uh, Noah's flood because we had people oh, coming uh, in from the back of Miller Auditorium. Oh. <laughs> so I was down in the pit uh-huh. when the orchestra was in the pit, but there were people singing. But I think we also had some instrumentalists, maybe some brass players. Uh. I can't remember. It's been so many years. You know, but I, I Amal just remember. Amal and the Night Visitors does that too. What's that? that? Amal and the Night Visitors. Uh-huh. You know, the, sure. the chorus will come in. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember I had a conversation. I met Margaret Hillis once. And, um, oh, and and I guess I had just done that. And I was talking to her about how the choir went flat every night. And and uh, she uh-huh. basically said, well, it's because your tempos were too slow. I mean, that was <laughs> That's such a disappointing answer, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't think it's, it was my fault. Right. So no, can't I just do what tempo I want? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> Uh, anyway, it was just, it was uh, just, that was interesting. Fun. But yeah, with Noah's Fly, I just remember um, I, I actually conducted. I turned around and made a very uh-huh. big beat yep. so that they could see it from the back of the hall. And I was facing them up there because they were the ones that would drift away, of course. Right. And it, it had to be totally visual. Mm-hmm. And I had had the experience when I was at Indiana of um, uh, Tibor Kozma was one of the conductors in those mm-hmm. days. And, and they, we were doing the uh, Busoni Faust. And oh, wow. the opera, Dr. Faust, and yeah, I was, sure. at, we were in a cubby, you know, like stage right, way up there, like on the third floor. Uh-huh. And somebody was watching him and conducting us up there. And of course, we couldn't hear a thing except each other because we were in this little room. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's what Faust is signing his life away to Satan and we're up there singing the credo, you know, from the mm-hmm. mass. And um, wow. <laughs> I just remember Tibor Kozma went off on this big tirade about... Uh, about how we, you know, there were so many things to hold together and we had to pay attention. But that's what happens when you have people spread that's out right. like that. That's right. And uh, so basically the orchestra is having to work in not, not that, not, not such extreme situation. Right. But similar because of the social distancing. Exactly. Much more than we're used to having to do, mm-hmm. you know. And um, like I said, that, that puts extra pressure on everybody's musicianship, which is which is not a bad thing. Yes, <laughs> you know, that, yes, that's, that's that right. kind of pressure is how we grow. That's what we're so. here for is, that's to, exactly. is to educate. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Learning's not always comfortable. But, uh, <laughs> but, but really, though, I mean, there's been true. A, such a, an embracing of it from the students, mm-hmm. from really from all, we're just so happy to be able to make music. Well, know? and of course, we're, uh, as we say, as we have said, we're not having a live audience for this. Right. That, that indicates that we are having a live audiences for many of our concerts. Yes. And, but they are not open to the general public. I think you alluded to this earlier. They're open just yeah, to faculty, staff, and right. students that mm-hmm. are here on campus and going through the screening, the health screening that we all do every day. And uh, that's how we're navigating that. But they are all being live streamed. 
But something that's new this year is that we also have an on-demand tab that's not uh, password protected. And so we can go watch um, older concerts. They're, they're all there. So right. if you miss any of these concerts, uh, you can still go back and, and hear them. And um, I mean, you mentioned that you had watched the, uh, the play. Yeah, I saw Antigone, which was just such a great production. And there was just such a creative adaptation to it. So, you know, I was, I, I um, wrote a little note to uh, uh, Katie, uh, mm -hmm. I could have that uh, director, co-director after, mm -hmm. after it, just uh, um, congratulating her on it. And, and I was thinking, and I mentioned to her, I said, gosh, when, when I was recalling back to reading this play in high school, I didn't think of it as so relevant, <laughs> to, <laughs> so contemporarily relevant and yes. interesting, and you know, uh, it was it was wonderful. Anyway, yeah, I was I was very appreciative because I, I wasn't able to to make it to the to make it to the live stream. Is that I'm not even sure how you call that, yes, or what what you call that, but uh, to see it when it was live. But um, well, they had good numbers while it was live. Uh -huh. You know, you're able. To, that's one of the aspects of technology. You're able to see how many people tune in. Um, yeah, but uh, so they had good numbers, but it's it's still there. And so right. if someone wasn't able to see it during the run, they should see uh, it. <laughs> it's it's still available. Uh, I know it's 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 strange for my life because of course um, as as dean I come to a lot of concerts and plays uh -huh. and ex you know I'm just coming to events that the School of the Arts is presenting all the time and that's that's. That's something that went away. For, right. <laughs> you, you were oh, conducting for six months. I wasn't right. attending events for six months. I was just like, what, what? is this my life? What happened? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so it's been fun at least to, to be, be doing them virtually again yes. the last couple of weekends to be seeing mm -hmm. these things. And I have to say, we're, we, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, that um, Eric Forst and our students have really... Oh, are doing it's a great job. The audio quality job. is excellent, and they're doing a lot with the video and um, keeping great. it keeping it really interesting to watch. Yeah, great production values, just the intentional camera use, and it's just uh, yeah. Eric is working really hard at this, and it just it's it shows. I mean, it does, it does, great. and and again, that's our students. So yeah, um, absolutely, not only are they learning to play and and to play in a healthy manner in an era of a pandemic, but they're right. also um, learning how to um, produce and and uh, well, virtually exactly. um, disseminate you think, the concerts. You think so. of a time, you know, th those were already important skills a year ago, but right now, if you don't have those skills, you as an artist, mm -hmm. you you have nothing. That's right. <laughs> you That's have right. nothing going on if That's you don't right. have that. Yeah, so, yeah so that's that really important. Great. Well, uh, your other gig, uh, yes. you know, here we're we're face to face and we're yes. doing concerts. But you, you're all you're also the conductor of the American Youth Philharmonic. Yes. Am I saying that yeah, right? Uh, down yeah. in Washington D.C., which is really outstanding um, youth orchestra. And uh, they're not having face to face rehearsals. No, so that's right. how is that going? Well, it's it's a different experience. It's actually going very well. It's been a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning. Um, so even what does something like this look like, right? You know, uh, we're not having week-to-week -week discussions, although we did that in the spring. But at a certain point, you have to you have to acknowledge that people join an orchestra to make music. So, so we've had to be creative, along with a lot of other people, of figuring out how to make music together. Um, down there, so we're in Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, Metro DC, and um, all the schools are virtual, are fully virtual. So there's no place for us to rehearse, even if we thought we could do it safely and such so we have weekly virtual rehearsals 
um, two hour rehearsals. One hour is uh, with uh, coaches. So we have coaches from the National Symphony, coaches from the Washington National Opera, from the President's Own, from the other military bands. And um, uh, they work with our students uh, for one hour specifically on their instruments uh, or instrument groups. And then they come together uh, for the second hour for a full rehearsal. Now, we're rehearsing pieces that they're going to be recording themselves and recording their part to a click track and submitting a video of them performing and playing on the video. And then we've, we've hired a wonderful producer who's actually also our percussion coach, Doug Wallace, who is going to be then editing them all together to make a performance, like, like a lot of the virtual sort of Brady Bunch uh, looking virtual or, or really just a Zoom screen looking uh, virtual performances that that uh, we've all seen for the last yeah. six months. I always go back to Hollywood Squares. Oh, Hollywood Squares, just, of yeah. course. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched the Brady Bunch, but uh, uh, oh, okay. Hollywood yes. Squares, I think it was on around news time every day. I don't know. It was just always <laughs> there, it seemed like. You get all the squares, the little box, <laughs> and the, you know, a little head in each box. And, but no, uh, Doug has... But it has been a common way of people for ensembles yeah, to it, uh, continue to, to make some music. some way to play mm -hmm. together. And, yeah. Uh, Doug's actually done a lot of this over the last six months has really produced some wonderful recordings of, of the percussion ensemble, the AYP percussion ensemble. And so that's why, you know, we <laughs> approached him and said, can you please do this? And uh, so he's doing that for all five orchestras of the, of the organization. And uh, wow. um, so the, the full orchestras are, are interesting because, you know, I will talk about given uh, parts in the piece. I will ask everybody to play and I'll conduct or I'll conduct to a, the recording click track, uh, but of course they have to have their microphones off because you know you have 85 different internet speeds going on. So I, I don't actually hear them most of the time, although we will check in, we'll have individual students play. Sometimes we'll have uh, like a, say the principal viola play something and then I'll ask the rest of the section to play along with them, but with their mics off. Or uh, you know, if there's a flutist and a violinist, they have the same part. For example, I'll have one of them play and have the other play along with their mics off, but say, listen to how they're phrasing this or you know, coach them in terms of articulation. That gives them a sense of, of ensemble, even over Zoom. I mean, they can't yes. play together. Everybody can't, but one person can listen to the exactly. feed so, and play with that. Right. Yeah. And so we still get some of that. It, it's not just simply reproducing something to a click track. There is some um, some real uh, uh, music specific coaching going on, and some some real live, at least unidirectional kind of interaction mm -hmm, that way. Mm -hmm. So, so it's we've been um, you know we're we're all we're artists, right? All of us are artists, right? So we're we're used to having to be creative in a lot of different ways, and this is one of the ways we figured find, out how to find a way to, to get it done. That's right. I, I just wonder, you know, somewhere in the future that uh, this latency thing will get solved. And um, I sure hope so. Yeah. I, I know they've, you know, seen something out that, that people were touting a bit of some kind of box that coordinates between it. But, but everybody has to have their own yes. uh, piece of equipment. So that kind of makes it um, not really doable right now. But, but I, something, there's got to be something. Yeah, that, everything that I know... To. There's a way that I, I, I have a, I have a plug-in that you can use in a, in the the recording software where the people that I'm recording can be somewhere else and I can be their engineer. Uh, but see, latency is okay. not a problem. They still have to play together. Right. They have. I mean, to, I sure, couldn't. Sure. I couldn't. You sit, couldn't. You I record. Couldn't, they record. And, yeah. I couldn't record with them in real time. Right. 
but of course, uh, that's one of the things that's happened with a lot of commercial recording these days is that people record with click tracks anyway. Right. So much contemporary music is recorded well, that way. And that, that was sort of one of the other, other pieces to it. You know, we have a lot of students who go into professional music from AYP. Um, we have students in the major orchestras around the country who are former members of this youth orchestra. So mm -hmm. we also looked at this as an opportunity to have them practice this skill that most of them are going to have to use. They, they need yeah. to know it. I, yeah. I always, years, this is years ago, 25 years ago at least, I would think, reading about the the lute player who got the gig because he was the only lute player who could play a chord chart. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when you mix different musical worlds, you know, there That's are different right. skills that you need. And, you know, well, out on the street, so to speak, you know, out in the real world where if you're trying to earn a living as a you. professional musician, there's a lot of recording studio work that's available if you can... If you can do if it. If you can do it by ear, if you can do it from a chord chart, if you can play with a mm -hmm. click track, if you can read, sight read printed music. There are people who only have one of those skills. And the people that have all the skills just work more. Right. I was gonna, yes. I was gonna and can play that. in any style. You I was going to say You there, want me to sound like a broke concerto? Okay. You want me to sound like country and western, right. whatever, you know. I was going to say, the people who have just one of those skills, we call them unemployed. That's <laughs> probably right, <laughs> right. Yes. Or not very employed anyway. Right. They have fewer gigs They're anyway. definitely fewer gigs, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Uh, I just think you can never you can never have enough skills as a as a musician in all these different areas right. and enough styles and be able well, and, the, and, the, and they're also getting you know getting better at recording and being yes. able to uh, you know, they're going to have to manipulate their own videos and all of this well these things that were important you know a couple of years ago but they're vital now <laughs> I think that's one of the one of the realities of COVID is this pulled people kicking and screaming into the into right. the world of technology absolutely the people that didn't want to be there there's no option any that's longer right. they have to be there and i don't think we'll ever go back no i think uh, i think it, and and it like you say it already was a necessary skill for a musician to promote themselves to be online and mm -hmm. be putting their work online and um and it's just going to be it's going to be trouble that now you know what i mean and uh, oh, yes. and so these these students are getting sure. good training for their future future careers that's yeah. true yeah all of them are uh, well, Tim, it's been great to talk with you, and uh, thank, thank you, you so much for being a, a part of the con oh. uh, a podcast. Oh, and I am looking forward absolutely. to the concert. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for I will me. be I will be listening in. Uh, in this case, there's no option to come. Well, I guess I could come sit in, but we're not having audiences <laughs> anyway for this. We'll one. let you in if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be listening from at home, and I'm really looking forward to it as always. And. Thanks for this As concert, for everything you do here at Messiah. Oh, well, yeah. And thank you, Richard. Thank you very much. This is Richard Robertson from the Dean's Office.